today on Lawyers Rising. The, the way that attorneys think and the way that I've seen it kind of work is the people that need to say the most typically have the least substance to their message. How to construct the best possible legal resume. Hello and welcome. I'm joined once again by the founder and chief executive of BCG Attorney Search, Harrison Barnes. Harrison, good morning. Good morning. So today we're going to talk about resumes, and this is a topic you know quite a lot about. You've looked at something like 500,000 resumes or thereabouts over your career. You've seen a lot of them. Um, before we get into the details about the mistakes that people made, make, what, what do you think are the reasons behind people uh, just not being that great at make, writing resumes? You know, there have been decades of advice about how to do it, and it just seems like the same mistakes keep getting made again and again. Why are we so bad at this? Well, I think the, the problem is, is that people forget who their audience is, and so uh, you know, there's different types of audiences for resumes. And if it's a, you know, if it's a large firm or a large corporation, they're typically going to want the resume to be very focused on doing one thing. And if it's a small firm in a, in a small market, uh, you know, or a, you know, smaller company that needs someone to do a lot of different things, then they may want them to be a generalist. But I think that, you know, one of the biggest mistakes people make when trying to work for large employers is they have generalist resumes. And the resume talks about things that, you know, that other lots of things that they do that are not attractive to firms that are looking for specialists or companies. And then I think the other thing that people do is they, they just include too many personal things on there that uh, may alienate them and make them, you know, they cast them as one type of person. And they, they forget, you know, they may, they may be very conservative in applying to a firm composed of liberals, and that may hurt them, or they may be uh, the opposite or you know, you just have to be careful. So, you know, there's a lot of very divisive issues in society and, you know, trying to keep this off is, is an important thing. So some of the basics that you point out is that, you know, the resume should be no more than one page. You should use one font, one color. These are some basic house uh, keeping matters. Um, error free, of course, incredibly important, I think, in any uh, industry, but especially so in, uh, in the legal industry. Can you talk a little bit about that just briefly about why it's so important to make sure that there is zero mistakes on your resume? Well, I mean, lawyers are paid to, you know, the highest paid lawyers are the ones that typically produce the, the most error-free work product and, and take it the, you know, the most seriously. And it's a reflection on the, you know, the, the client, uh, the quality of the work product that ends up being produced. And so, you know, the largest clients will typically have the best attorneys that produce the best work product. And the idea is, is if someone hasn't thought through, you know, is making typos, then there's something off, there could be something off of the substance and the legal conclusions is typically the way that, um, you know, I was taught very early on, meaning, you know, how can you possibly have thought through uh, the legal conclusion you're making if you can't even, you know, proofread something, you know, the, the thinking's probably sloppy and therefore the attorney's bad. So, you know, so lawyers just tend to, you know, the, the best lawyers will put a, you know, a very, very, uh, you know, careful consideration into, you know, uh, how they're, uh, you know, making sure that everything's, you know, proof very well. And, um, and attorneys, you know, often do not get jobs and in interviews because of typos and resumes. Using tight and direct language is also incredibly important. Um, 
you know, people like to use really flowery adjectives to describe themselves and their accomplishments, mainly to make themselves feel good. But no one else really cares, do they? Talk to me more about why you want to use really direct, straightforward language. Well, you want to show you can do the job. And uh, when you start writing a lot about yourself and, and have think feel like you have to include a lot of details, it just kind of detracts from the message. I mean, the, someone that's reading your resume can reach all sorts of conclusions about what your experience means without you having to, you know, tell them, uh, you know, very, you know, like very directly. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's very important that, you know, whatever you do, you're, uh, you know, trying to, you know, be as, as direct as possible. Uh, you know, lots of, you know, language uh, tends, the, the way that, the, the way that attorneys think and the way that I've seen it kind of work is the people that need to say the most typically have the least substance to their message. And so, you know, the most substance, you're going to show a lot more substance and stuff if you need to say, if you say a lot less. So every resume usually starts with your name, address, phone number, email address. Um, but you have some really clear thoughts about how you should present that information. Um, you also add that you don't think you should include things like your LinkedIn or Twitter profile. People will find that out on their own. But when it comes to something like, say, an email address, um, do you think you should use like your school, your .edu or Stanford.edu email address, for example, or just a Gmail address? Does it really matter? I think you should always just use like a Gmail address or something very simple. Uh, you know, the problem with using uh, email addresses that are, um, you know, school related is it just it draws attention to, you know, to schools. And it's just, it's not a good idea. I mean, typically the people that use Harvard and Stanford and Yale and stuff went there maybe as an undergraduate and then didn't go to as good of a law school and it draws attention to that. Um, you know, I just, I just don't think it's a good idea to use your, you know, your school email address. You should just use your private one. Yeah, it kind of comes off a bit like a bit of a hum humble brag, doesn't it? Sometimes, yeah. Um, what about your address itself? Uh, some people don't include that. They feel maybe it's uh, revealing too much personal information, or maybe they'll use a P.O. box. You feel very strongly that you should use your actual address. Why is that? Well, I think there's a couple of cases where you want to use your address and you don't. So the main time when you want to use your address is when you're close to the office or, you know, where the, where the firm where you're trying to work or... Uh, you can also, you know, if you have an address, you know, you're at school or something, and then you have a permanent address in the city where you're trying to work, you can put that down as your permanent address. But you don't want to use your address if you're trying to apply to a place, you know, that may be across town or something. I mean, because, you know, I work and live in Los Angeles. And, you know, the, depending on where someone's coming from, it could be a couple hours to get here. And I would never interview someone that was two hours away you know, because I know that they would just, you know, potentially leave, uh, you know, after commuting for a while, which they've done, you know, several times because of the commute. So, but the post office box, it's a whole different, you know, situation. I just, people that use post office boxes tend to have like a, a kind of a, you know, it communicates too much of a need for privacy. Um, and um, it, it, for whatever reason, I mean, companies and, you know, people that do that, I mean, it's just, it's a real turnoff to employers. Speaking of turnoffs, this is a real pet peeve for me. The opening paragraph where people tend to like to go on at length about their accomplishments and their personality type. I, I think they're completely useless and most people don't even read them and, and just are annoyed that they're there in the first place. Can you talk about whether or not you should include an opening paragraph or bullet points in the resume? I, I just think it's a bad idea. I think that it typically draws attention uh, you know, to the, to the fact that people that do it tend to you know, again, it's more fluff and not, it's not direct. Uh, you know, your experience should be, 
you know, you know, someone that was a like a partner in a in a law firm that people have heard of, uh, and you say that you're a partner and you're in the litigation group, people just know what that means. You don't need to say anything more. You don't need to say you did depositions or, you know, manage associates. I mean, everyone knows what what a partner does in a law firm. So, it's just when you when you start putting these paragraphs and stuff. Typically, what it does is it, you know, it draws attention to the fact that. You know, you may be insecure about your resume. You may have had a, you know, a resume service do it. And, you know, people want to hire people that uh, are in demand. And uh, putting that much time into doing something like that in your resume um, makes it look like you're in, not in demand and desperate. I just think it's a bad idea. I know that it's, that's an offensive thing to say to people. Uh, but I, I just don't think it works and I've seen it hurt too many people. Let's run through a few more of these other basics, like the education that you list. What should and should you not include when it comes to your education? Again, a lot of people like to go at length about all the things that they did while they were at university, et cetera, um, and maybe even what they did in high school. So let's start with that. Should you include your high school, do you think? If you went to a very competitive high school, you know, like a hard to get into high school, like Bronx Science or Illinois Mathematics Science Academy or something like that. I mean, it's okay if you're applying to firms locally where people may have heard of it, if it's a public school. Uh, I don't think it's a good idea to list, uh, you know, pub, you know, private boarding schools and private schools. I think it looks snobby and tends to turn off uh, most employers. Most, turn, most law firms are made up of, you know, people that went to public schools and worked their way up and you know, it's just not a good idea to include your, your private school. But it, I think it, it is a good idea to include competitive, uh, you know, schools and if in the city where you're trying to get a job, you know, Stuyvesant in New York and that sort of thing. What about the colleges that you went to, undergrad degrees you may have obtained? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How much of that information should you detail? Yeah, I mean, the colleges, you have to put your college on there. Uh, but, you know, you don't want to, you know, overdo it. You don't need to put, you know, too much about what you studied or, you know, what papers you wrote and grades and stuff, um, individual classes, you know, you just kind of need to tone it down unless it's very relevant to the kind of job you're trying to get. So if you're trying to get a job as like a patent attorney, then, you know, it can be an okay thing to list, you know, that you minored in, you know, mechanical engineering and majored in physics or something. I mean, you know, listing science degrees can help, but, you know, you don't need a ton of, most of the time, you don't need a ton of information. What about grades? Grades you can list from college and law school if they're really good. So uh, a lot of times people will say things like they'll be very proud that they're graduating from law school in the top 50% of their class. And that's just not necessary. Uh, you know, uh, saying you got a 3-2 or 3-3 is not a good thing, you know, necessarily either, even though that may put you in the top of your class somewhere, because most law firms do not know uh, what the grading systems are of various law, law schools. And I, I don't even know. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. And every, every time, you know, I turn around, the law schools are changing how they grade. So, you know, a 3-5 could be like the top, you know, 50% at some schools. And at the others, it could be like the top 5%. I, who knows? So I just, I recommend leaving your grades off. Uh, if you did exceptionally well in college, you should leave that on. You can certainly leave academic awards related to your grades, like Phi Beta Kappa and Order of the Coif. You know, if you're in the top 10% or something along those lines, it's okay to list that. But, you know, or, you know, even the top third, which is a Harlem Fiststone Scholar, I think, at Columbia. But other than that, I mean, you know, you don't want to draw attention to anything that makes you look like you're not a super high achiever. Because law firms typically will have the ability to choose lots of people. What about SAT or LSAT scores? I think that's a bad idea to list those. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's it's kind of snobby and uh 
you know, in reality, if, you know, you did really well in the LSATs and the SATs, and then you, um, you know, haven't done much since then, I mean, it's going to make it look like you're an underachiever. Mm. Okay. So you mentioned that you should probably mention any academic awards that you may have received. What about um, listing things like being on the law review or journal memberships, that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think that's okay. I mean, sometimes people will be on very, uh, you know, divisive journals, though, or things, you know, and sometimes they'll they'll be on journals and things that have nothing to do with what the kind of job they're trying to get. Usually, it's okay if it's a selective journal or selective law review and stuff to list that. Uh, But for the most part, uh, you know, you you probably don't want to include too much information about, uh, you know, journals and I mean, and, um, you know, about things that are unrelated to the law. So for example, if you're in a, something in college, uh, some sort of, uh, um, you know, yearbook committee or something, or, you know, it's probably not a good idea. Anything that show, that's not law related probably shouldn't be on there. Scholastic activities. There's lots of things you can get up to while you're in college. Some that are more applicable to others to a future career in the legal industry. What are your thoughts on, on scholastic activities? Well, scholastic activities are okay too, but, um, you know, you, you want to make sure that those aren't divisive. So, you know, it, it can be dangerous to list, you know, uh, you know, if you're a member of a political organization or, you know, some sort of organization related to, uh, you know, race or religion or something. I mean, it's just, it, it, the problem is, is, I mean, you can list those, but you need to be careful about the places you're applying because, you know, you need to just make sure that, you uh, you know, that, um, you know, it's going to be appropriate. So if you're, you know, listing the fact that you're a very liberal person, you know, you need to make sure that, uh, you know, that the, the firms you're applying to are going to share your enthusiasm for those kind of matters. I mean, there's firms where, you know, everybody's a Democrat. And it's going to be great to, you know, list that kind of stuff on your resume. You know, if you're applying to firms where everyone's a Republican or everyone, you know, you just don't know. So it's important to, you know, choose your battles and yeah, and just to highlight something you had mentioned earlier about tailoring your resume, each resume to each job that you're applying for when it comes to including things like, say, you're a member of the Federalist Society, you need to include that if you're going to go to a very conservative firm, right? Or vice versa for the uh, comparison on sort of liberal organizations. Or indeed, if you're going to a predominantly Jewish firm, and you might want to highlight any Jewish organizations that you belong to, but may not want to if it's a predominantly Christian firm. These are um, kind of troubling facts, but are indeed the reality when you get out there, right? That they are kind of mini tribes that you're applying for, and you kind of want to signal that you are a potential member of that said tribe. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's a very bad thing. I mean, it's not something that people want to hear, but um, I I definitely think that uh, there's a lot of truth to that. You have to be very careful uh, about, um, you know, who you're applying to. So, you know, it may make sense in some instances and not in others, but in general, um, you know, you should know your audience when you're doing things like that. Okay, let's dig into the real nitty gritty here, which is experience and how you list that. And again, tailoring your experience to you know, the firm that you're applying for. So can you just kind of set this up in broad terms, then we'll dig into the specifics when it comes to experience. How should you lay it out? Chronologic, reverse chronological order is usually the rule of thumb. Um, can you kind of expand on that a little bit more? Well, yeah, you should lay it out in reverse chronological order. Um, you know, one example that I like to give uh, you know, is most people think that, you know, the, you know, the, the experience they may have had, like, you know, way, you know, way in the past, you know, like, uh, you know, 20 years ago is very, very relevant. 
But in reality, uh, you know, the most relevant experience is, uh, you know, your, your most recent experience. And, uh, and, you know, employers want to see that that experience is relevant to the job that they have right now. And, you know, so one, you know, one example that I, I gave on a, on a presentation uh, earlier today was I was talking, you know, it's, it's sort of like, you know, if you're in a relationship with someone, you know, that you just met, you know, you're not really going to be too concerned about what the relationship was like when they would with someone else they were with 25 years ago, or 15 years ago, you know, you're going to be more concerned about who was the last person they were in a relationship with. And it's kind of like that with employers, like, they're not going to want to go back and, um, you know, think about, you know, every single, uh, you know, relationship that the person's had and that sort of thing in, in the past, I mean, or, you know, jobs. So they're more concerned about your recent experience. And again, tailoring this to the audience that is going to be actually reading it is so important because, you know, I, I've read through resumes of people applying uh, for companies that I've run in the past, and you always get this information that you're like, well, why would I need to know that? Why did I, why do I care that you, uh, you know, were a dog walker in high school or something? Like, you need to really kind of target exactly the kinds of things that the person wants to read and wants to know that you're capable of, which kind of reveals um, that you're thinking ahead and uh, really do want this thing uh, and actually know something about the place that you're applying for. Yeah. And, you know, and you're, you know, you, you, you should tailor your, your, your applications to the type of employer you're applying to and the type of job. So, you know, if you're applying to just jobs, you know, you need to make sure that, you know, if you're applying for a job doing one thing, you know, the first line of your resume should be, you know, uh, you know, in your experience should, should lead with, the, with the, whatever you did that's related to that. You know, you shouldn't be talking about other things or have this kind of generic one size fit all resume. So ideally, you would be tailoring your resume to most employers that you're applying to. What about using your experience to show your ability to be managed? And I guess what I mean by that is the ability to show that um, you understand what it's going to take to succeed inside this firm and to uh, be part of the team. How do you reveal that in your experience to show that you are capable of being managed and being part of the team? Well, um, one of the big concerns that, that people have when they're hiring people is, you know, that I would say is, is the, um, you know, people moving uh, too often, um, you know, people changing the type of work that they do, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, not committing to a certain type of work. So uh, I think that's a good question. But I think one of the things that, you know, most, most, uh, uh, you know, employers are concerned about is they want to make sure that whoever they hire is going is, is going to, you know, be able to, to kind of, you know, do the work and we'll, we'll stick around and that sort of thing. One of the things I think that is a real problem uh, on legal resumes in particular is attorneys tend to be very ambitious and, you know, they want to uh, get ahead and, and, and do all these sorts of things. And, um, you know, and often they'll go and they'll start a business or they'll, uh, you know, they'll go in house or they'll, um, they'll do something very independent. And if you, if you show too much independence uh, early in your career uh, in, in doing things like that, you know, the, the law firms are going to assume that, you know, if things get a little rough uh, or you know, the work gets hard, you're going to leave. So um, they definitely want to show you, you definitely need to, you know, tone down things that look like too independent in nature sometimes. Yeah, it's a tough thing uh, to try and balance between appearing to be and, and revealing yourself to be competent and capable, but not so ambitious that you're going to run off after just working there for a year. Right. So your experience also shows needs to show that you are 
capable to and, and are willing to do the job for the long term. So how do you go about revealing that, that you're going to be sticking around for a long time? You touched on it a little bit, but it, as you mentioned, employers really want to make sure that you're going to be there for you know, multiple years, not, that they're not going to have to be do, going through this process again in 18 months. So how do you show that you're really committed to being there for the long term? Well, the best thing is there has to be like some sort of plausible reason, you know, that, that you're, um, you know, that, to give the employer like the indication that you might stay there for the long term. So a lot of times there may be uh, like a path of upward mobility on a resume where someone started out at a smaller firm and continues to move to larger and larger firms you know, where they get more specified experience and people can see that. And, you know, if you can spell that out on your resume, that's very helpful. Uh, you know, there's, there's other ways you can do that uh, by, you know, showing a level of focus, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, by making sure your resume shows you're, you're doing one thing, uh, you know, by making it look like, you know, you're, it, it, the best resumes tend to be look like, you know, when the employer sees them, the employer thinks like, you know, this person is perfect for our firm right now or our employer right now. And uh, whereas two or three years ago, they might not have been. And so to the extent you can think about how your experience and everything all comes together for the, for the position that the law firm has, or for the law firm in particular, uh, the better. So, you know, how is someone going to be there for the long term? I mean, one example, uh, you know, back to the political question, uh, might be if you, uh, you know, uh, you know, were applying to a law firm, and uh, the law firm was composed of people from, uh, you know, your uh, you know, political party, and all of a sudden, you put all sorts of things on your resume that that showed you were part of that and they would think, wow, this person's going to be very comfortable here and like you and you might get hired. So, you know, you have to think about all those things when you're applying to jobs. Yeah. And really using your experience uh, to reveal how it's very applicable to the job that you're applying for, not just in general terms, the experience that you have. Um, when it comes to like other extraneous kind of information or potentially extraneous information, stuff like your outside interests, what do you think about that? Is that useful information to include? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think it. Uh, I think it's. Uh, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't be including your outside interest. I think your. Uh, you know, law firms like that information, and I think it's. Uh, you know, it gives people something to talk about. I mean, as long as your outside interests are, you know, fairly reasonable. I mean, I interviewed a girl the other day, and she had a bunch of stuff about fitness on her resume for outside interests, a couple lines, and you know, it was something that I was able to break the ice with and talk to her about. And so I really like that. So to the extent you can put that stuff up there, it's very helpful. What about other stuff like uh, languages that you might speak um, on, on those sorts of uh, kind of other personal things? I, I can imagine being multilingual has got to be a benefit in any context. Yeah, I think languages are great. I think that's a very helpful thing as well. Uh, bar admissions, you should probably have that listed on your legal resume, I'm guessing. You should definitely put um, bar admissions on uh, your resume. That's a very important thing to put on there. Uh, you know, but one one advice, piece of advice I would give you is a lot of times people will take the bar exam in other areas where uh, they may not necessarily want to work in the long term uh, or where they may have wanted to work. Like, so someone in the Midwest may have taken the California bar. And sometimes it can send the message that, you know, you may not, um, you know, want to want to work in that area in the long term, and you may try to go to California or something the first chance you get. So it is important to to kind of be a little bit careful 
sometimes and think through why you're putting different bar admissions on there. There are plenty of other certifications out there that you can have. Um, you know, you could be a CPA, for example, or other privacy certifications, for example. I'm guessing that you should include those, but again, as long as they're relevant to the job that you're applying for. Exactly. As long as they're relevant, it's perfectly fine. But I mean, a lot of times, you know, getting different certifications and, and things like law firms, you know, it's, it's good, you know, as long as it's relevant. I mean, you, you know, it's good to have like the patent bar. It's good to have, you know, those sorts of things on there. But, uh, you know, um, you know, whatever you can put on there is good. Everyone's incredibly proud of the uh, publications that they've contributed to or presentations that they have written. Um, is that relevant, do you think? Well, if, if they're legal related, I think so, yes. But if they're too academic in nature, then no. So you need to be uh, a little bit careful about that. Volunteer activities? To some extent, yes. I mean, I would, again, that's another thing where, you know, you, you also want to be a little bit careful uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think it's good to put your volunteer activities. On. What are references? There's an interesting question. It has some privacy implications as well. Should you, uh, should you list your, re your references right off the bat or just do the available on request thing that many people do? I don't think you need, I don't think you should list available references, um, available on request at all. Um, you know, I, I don't, I typically, I don't think it's a good idea to list references. I think that, um, you know, it's just, you know, if people need references, they'll always ask for them and, and you should have them ready. Uh, but, you know, I, as a general rule, I don't think you need to list references. Okay. So just to kind of wrap things up here, I'm interested to hear just in general terms, what you think about uh, how people should go approach if they're about to start to apply for jobs, constructing their new resume. We have kind of more detailed information in the article that goes along with this podcast that lists lots of great advice. But um, do you have any just thoughts about uh, just some general ideas that people should have a top of mind when they go into actually writing this thing. Um, you know, I've heard you say in the past that never highlighting any weaknesses that appearing as strong and capable as possible is really, really important. Can, can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I think the, the most important analogy that, you know, if, if you remember anything, you know, from, you know, from today, you know, and, and you, you know, anybody that's looking at your resume, you need to, you know, lawyers are, are trained to be like sharks. They're trained to, you know, zero in on weaknesses, uh, which are things like fluff in the resume. They're trained to zero in on typos. They're trained to zero in on, you know, errors with dates. They're trained to zero in on things that show you might not be a good fit, which would be, you know, uh, you know, interests uh, that are not aligned with the, the politic politics of the firm. They're trained you know, they're, they're trained to, um, you know, look at, look for people that might be trouble. Uh, they're trained to, you know, people that, um, you know, people that tend to put a lot of information on their resume and overemphasize it, you know, maybe, you know, covering up some other type of weakness. I mean, so you have to look at things from the point of view of a, a legal employer and legal employers are, can be, you know, fairly harsh. I mean, they're, you know, the, and the, the bigger ones are really looking at you with, um, you know, trying to, figure out, you know, if, if they can find someone better. So, and then the other thing is, you know, if you're emphasizing things that aren't that strong, then they're likely to, you know, to, to be, um, you know, dismissive of you, like top 50%. The other thing too is like, you know, listing different types of organizations on your resume or your activities, you have to think if that would upset someone. So, you know, if you list like a fraternity or a sorority, 
you know, someone that didn't get into a fraternity or sorority when they were in college may resent you. Uh, if you list a prep school, they may resent you. If you list, you know, uh, uh, your politics, they may resent you. They may, you know, so you have to look at it through the eyes of the people that are looking at it. And then I think the final thing I would offer is, you know, if your resume shows you're kind of all over the place in terms of your experience, you know, you need to try to focus your most recent job on what the employer is looking for. Because they don't care that you got experience doing something 10 years ago. They care about what you're doing now. Yeah, it's a really good point because people are, as you say, looking for reasons to weed you out, not to include you. And so you got to kind of come in when you're writing the thing to to keep that in mind, as you say, that they're, they're looking for reasons to, to bounce you out of the process. So uh, be top of mind. And it really goes back to something else that you've emphasized many other times in our conversations, which is really understand the people that you are applying to and, and the firms that you want to become a part of. You got to do your research. You can't just kind of blindly shotgun resumes out and hope for the best. Uh, taking your time and really crafting each one for each job is going to have a lot more success, I think, in the long run. Yeah. Well, and, and sometimes people, you know, in major cities and so forth are, you know, or do need to shotgun their resume out. But if you are shotgunning your resume out, uh, then you need to make sure that, you know, you have kind of a generic resume, uh, you know, that doesn't contain anything likely to upset people. And then if you're focusing your resume, that you have one you know, that's focused on different types of employer. Harrison Barnes, thanks for making time for me. Thanks. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you're an attorney looking for change, go to bcgsearch.com.